Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp. It is March 6, 2023, post-AEW Revolution. Welcome to Fightful. Man, we had so much coverage on this show from Fightful to Fightful Select to Overbooked. And here we are for the post-show. And we got a familiar face. She, she's a regular now on these AEW post-shows. And I Julie love that Cutler. for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you have entrenched yourself. I mean, you you helped me navigate Two of the craziest nights that I have ever covered in pro wrestling. And now, like, I'm not going to say they're boring now because the scrum is going on right now. We've got literally four people from Fightful there that are sending notes in and all that. So you'll have full coverage of that here. But, man, we ended with a banger of a wrestling match. Hopefully, instead of, like, muffins and, and plane tickets and people getting bit and chairs being thrown and all that stuff. It's a good time. It's a good time. But uh, we're, we're here to talk AEW Revolution. Uh, guys, leave a thumbs up on this video. We would greatly appreciate it. As mentioned, uh, we've got people dropping scrum notes. Uh, I, I want to thank our moderator, Luis, for always helping us out, especially on these nights. Uh, he, get, he helps uh, gather your super chats and your humper chats. If you want your question or statement read on the air, donate a super chat here at youtube.com slash fightful. If you are a subscriber to youtube.com slash Fightful, 
you saw all the great coverage we had this week. We had interviews like not not just AEW interviews, but we had like Dana Brooke, Titus O'Neil, got Seth Rollins dropping on Monday. But we also had Grapsity interview Ruby Soho and Keith Lee this week. Great content all around. You get early access to all that content over at FightfulSelect.com. I'll brag about that later. But if you want your uh, questions or statement read, address on the air, donate a super chat. You can also go to humperchats.com. That is our Streamlabs platform. That allows you to get your question or statement in really whenever you want it. Uh, we, we greatly appreciate your support. We are very much publicly funded. So uh, thank you all so much for that. But Julie Cutler, we had AEW Revolution. Because of the Iron Man match, we had a, a bit of a... I don't want to say a shorter card. It still ended around midnight, but I mean, a smaller card. We're going to talk about each match individually, but what did you think about the, the, the fewer matches we had? I think eight or nine tonight. Yeah. I think that this was a much better length in terms of, in terms of just the pay-per-view as a whole. I was actually thinking right before we got on here, I think sometimes in the past, we've kind of said that, some of the previous pay-per-views, it sort of feels like there's a couple of matches that could have been done on a dynamite or on a rampage. They didn't have like as much story buildup where it doesn't feel like it necessarily needs to be on the pay-per-view. For example, I think in the past, like some of the TNT, um, or not TNT, the TBS championship matches, it seems like there've been a lot of those that they've kind of thrown on at the last minute, which on one hand is great because it's additional representation for the women's division. But on the other hand, a lot of the time, it felt like it was just kind of thrown on last minute without really having much of a story behind it. It felt like it could have just been on any other, you know, weekly episode. So I felt like they are really starting to hit more of a sweet spot. It was still a relatively long show, but really thinking about the card, I felt like there wasn't a match on here to me that didn't have a good backstory behind it. Um, and I will say I heard some chatter these past couple of weeks about um, some of the matches not being announced until like the last week or two before mm -hmm. the pay-per-view. And some people thinking that that was kind of odd. For example, um, you know, we still have a ways to go for WrestleMania, but you know, the other well, maybe like two weeks ago, people were saying like, we have four or five matches already announced for WrestleMania, but revolutions in like two weeks. And we have just as many matches announced for that. But what I will say is even though some of the matches weren't announced early when they did announce them, they were all things that had months of history building up to them. So it's not like something that they just pulled out of thin air. So Overall, I was really pleased, especially considering that they had the Iron Man match and the fact that they went into sudden death, which I know we'll get into more later. I'm glad yeah. that yeah. they really, I think, honed in on what's important to put on this show. What what can we take out that's just kind of like filler content? We already got some super chats. Uh, Aaron Thompson says, fantastic pay-per-view. Only critique, way too much blading, and the spots were too visible. The matches, especially main event, would have worked better without it. I think that the main event probably could have... Sorry, go ahead. Your connection's coming in and out a little bit. I don't know if it's just me. I, maybe it, maybe it's your connection. I don't know. It might be. It might be. I know. But anyway, I think the Texas Deathmatch could have done that. But there were some unfortunate other situations that they couldn't have predicted 
in which blood made its way into the situation like Dax and all that. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to that as as they unfold, as they happen, all that good stuff. Uh, reminder, guys, we had the match order on FightfulSelect.com uh, before the show. They did switch up the first and second match on the pay-per-view. But we have a list of producers. We have a bunch of backstage notes over there. But let's get into the pay-per-view itself, which uh, our friend Eloquent says, once again, mediocre build, A-plus pay-per-view. I, I agree. I thought the pay-per-view was great. I do think the build could have, have stood to, to do a little bit more. But we kicked off with a pre-show match. Mark Briscoe making himself at home in AEW, getting the win with the Lucha Brothers over Ari Davari and the Varsity Athletes. Uh, I think Josh Woods has really been showing out lately. He, he especially had a good showing against Takeshita on ROH TV. He has proven to be a very, very good signing for AEW. I think that Tony Nese, especially now that ROH is kicking off, a lot more people are going to look at him and go, oh, okay. And Mark Briscoe is just fitting in everywhere. He's going to be one of those guys that is perpetually over, just like he always has been. Lucha Brothers, it's good to see them. This one got a, a little bit more time than I was expecting, and I was I was pleased with that because, you know, there's one one match on the pre-show so why not give it some time we're just chilling till 8 p.m eastern so i i don't see why not but i'll tell you the thing i like about this julie i had been talking about how i wanted to see some undercard trios matches because it felt like it was just whoever was next for the elite whoever was next for the elite well now we're seeing undercard trios matches and people that are building up for the new champions that we'll talk about later uh what do you think about this opening six-man tag I was very impressed by this match exceeded my expectations. And I think when they were sort of originally seemed like they were trying to figure out what they were doing for the pre-show, I didn't really have, I didn't have super high expectations. And honestly, I, I was very impressed by this match. As soon as I found out that the Lucha brothers were announced for this match at that, that moment in time, I was like, okay, well, this is going to be a banger now. And I loved the idea of putting them with Mark Briscoe. I love that they're carving out a place for Mark Briscoe in AEW. And I thought that he really showed up and showed out for this match. Um, and I was also really impressed by the varsity athletes. I feel like they're great. Me, they they flew a little under the radar for me for a while because the one thing that I've said in the past is I feel like there's a lot of content sometimes, especially with a lot of the ROH people that is yeah. specifically on like AEW Dark and a lot. If you not if you're not watching all of the YouTube stuff, some of the some of these guys you might not be getting like the full story on, and then they show bits and pieces of it on TV. And then when they do do that, sometimes it, it feels like they're just pulling it out of nowhere if, if you're not following everything that's going on on the YouTube channel. So they flew a little under the radar for me in that regard. But then when they all came out, number one, they all looked phenomenal. I love I loved all of their gear, just like the general presentation. They all, all of their physiques, like they all presented themselves really well. I loved the little intro that they did at the beginning in their entrance with uh, Smart Mark Sterling announcing them and just like yes. the way they did the lighting and everything. I thought that that was really creative and it made everybody look really good. Um, I feel like this was a moment for me where... For example, Josh Woods, I think, um, you know, that was a name that you you had brought up. And 
he was someone who I I had known of and I kind of loosely followed um, some of his training for the past couple of years. But this was a moment for me where I feel like he is like on my radar now after after this match. I was like, OK, now I see what they signed you. I see yeah. what you're capable of. And I think that this team has a lot of potential. I wouldn't have I I, asked me a week ago. I don't know if that I would have been on this same level of investment with them, but they definitely grew a lot on me tonight. And I think you made a good point as well, just mentioning the trios championships. And that's one thing that I think AEW has been really good at is building their tag division and now building their trios division. I feel like they have so many options and they've really made tag team wrestling and now trios wrestling cool again. And so it's, it's nice to see them, putting together teams and then building them up in a way that works and really gives them legitimacy so that they could eventually work towards the championship picture. Eloquence says still shocked. They left Swerve and Lee off the card. Me too. I thought that this could have used yeah. it. Cause I mean, like what are we going to keep building to this till double or nothing? That's another three months away. I think they probably will, but uh, Zach Schimmel says, Julie's the only host to get back-to-back 1,000 likes during a live stream, just sh- saying she's the co-host that brings in the numbers. Much love to Fightful. She has been on some very big shows for us. She's she's well-liked around these parts. Well, and uh, <laughs> Knocked Bogan says, Drunk and living my best life. What a great pay-per-view. People, <laughs> Sean is on Cameo. Book him. He's great for charity. Uh, Justin, by the way. Uh, just looking forward to this review. I've actually I've I've been off of Cameo for a while. I don't know why they didn't put my temporarily unavailable thing up, but I am going to start taking those. One hundred percent of the proceeds uh, go to charitable causes. So uh, check me out over there. But this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what is the first thing that you would do? Read a book. Take a nap, play some video games, do something for a friend, volunteer. A lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. But the question is, time for what? And if it was unlimited, how would you go about using it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with BetterHelp. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Fightful. It's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash Fightful. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You know where else you can check me out? Buying those wonderful Harry's razors. If you're on the road like I am or at home, you want to make sure you get a good shave. You want to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. And you can do that with Harry's razors. Harry's.com slash Fightful. The Truman Shave Trial Set is a $15 value for just $3 at Harry's.com slash Fightful. They got that great razor. It's German engineered. It's got five blades. It's got that weighted handle. You got the foaming shave gel, a travel cover. That way, when you're on the road, like I am right now, you can make sure that you get your shave and not lose all your stuff. You'll be able to put it in that, that travel cover Take it right with you. You can schedule replacement blades whenever you need them with refills as low as $2. Harrys.com slash Fightful. They went and got a German blade factory. That way they could bring you the best shave possible. They have the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry. And what I love, they're offering a no-risk trial. If for some reason you don't like your shave, it's on them at Harrys.com slash Fightful. What are you waiting for? Make yourself look good. Look, look like this. You want to look like this, don't you? Harrys.com slash Frightful. Wombat in Combat says, do you think they should have a pay-per-view between Full Gear and Revolution? There's a massive lull between the two. I feel like they do some, like, around the New Year's type of things anyway, but uh, they like to, to wedge those special events in there. Mm-hmm. But like it, it does feel like a lot longer between Revolution or Full Gear and Revolution than it does other shows. Um, it's it's a good four month break there, and then it feels like the pay per view season's sort of kicking off because we got Double or Nothing in at the end of May, which is you know at the end of March, April, May, almost three months. But yeah, I could stand to do one. Jambeard says, would like to have seen Jay do an open challenge on the Zero Hour pre-show. Me too, brother. Me too. Don't know why not. Was that something that you were hoping to see Jade pop up on literally anything? Honestly, it's... I'm not really sure how I feel about... I feel like she's had such a long streak now. She's had such a long winning streak. And for me, I'm starting to wonder what direction they're planning on going with this. Because, I mean, at this point, I feel like we've gotten the point. Like, obviously, Jade Cargill, is a, she's a badass. She looks, she has an incredible look. She looks like a star, amazing musculature. Um, she's got this story that's sort of unfolded with the baddies over time. I feel like a lot of the 
opponents that she's had, like anybody that I feel could have been a formidable opponent to take the belt off of her, at least at this point in time, unless they bring in someone like totally new and different. I feel like at this point, I don't really know. I'm like, who is ever going to defeat her unless they bring in someone totally new, like a big name to take the belt off of her, which at that point, I feel like they would need to do that as part of a larger event. I was okay with not seeing it on this show. The The downside for me is I always like to see more representation of the women's division on the, on the show. And like this match we or this show we only got the one the one women's match which i guess the upside of it was that um you know everyone in the match sort of had other counterparts that they were associated with sure, tag sure. partners that sort of played a role in the overall story but i think for me with the TBS championship i feel like they're getting to a point like she's had such a long streak where i want to see what the long-term plan is. Like, I want to see what's next. We've seen her face so many people, so many up-and-coming independent talents. I mean, we've had a lot of people come at Sky Blue. We've had yeah, yeah. Um, Red You know, we've had a lot of these upcoming names get opportunities to to challenge her, which has been cool because it's, it's given us, you know, visibility into a lot of young and upcoming names. But I'm getting to a point I want to see like what what are we doing this with this are we going to have someone exciting come in that finally dethrones her or are we going to unify the the women's championships and then come out with tag championships and have that just kind of be Jade's thing um at this point I just feel like I don't really need any any more open challenges because we've just seen so many over yeah, time. Yeah. It's kind of become a little bit predictable for me, at least. Well, we kicked off the pay-per-view with Ricky Starks defeating Chris Jericho. I love this. I, and unlike some other Chris Jericho feuds, I'm ready to see this one move on. Like, it seems like the feuds always last six, seven months with Jericho. I think he needed a short feud, and I think he needed a short feud that he lost, and he lost this one decisively. Lost to Ricky Starks a couple times, lost to Action Andretti. He wasn't getting the better of these guys, like, at all. Maybe, like, in a tag or something like that, but... Ricky Starks and Chris Jericho opened it up. I thought Jericho had a really good performance too. Ricky Starks is so poised to be a top guy in wrestling and, and is ready. And I'm sure Chris Jericho recognizes that and said, you know what? I can make some really good, good stuff with him. And they did really like to finish. I thought it was going to be, you know, Chris Jericho found another way to cheat because Yas wasn't ringside. Uh, but Ricky Starks picks up the win and I, I think that Jericho is bulletproof, but Ricky really needed it. Even though he's already beaten him, I think he needed to decisively win this feud. I completely agree with you. I I also, I liked this match. There wasn't really anything that I can think of negatively to say about it. I mean, I think that lengthwise, it was just about right. It didn't feel too short. It didn't feel too long. It felt like Ricky got the decisive victory. Um, and I think that this was perfect for him because, I mean, I think we all know Ricky Starks is on track to be like one of the next big stars, but I feel like, you know, sometimes 
people go through waves where like they're really, really hot and then they're not so hot. But I feel like this was a good little push for him to get on a really hot trajectory moving forward. Um, I also liked that they had banned Yas from ringside, but I thought it was hilarious when Sammy, of course, tries to do the run-in despite the fact that they're banned from ringside. And I don't know how many of you guys have played um, WWF No Mercy for N64. But when he of came course. out, it almost reminded me of like one of the run-ins from that game where he just runs out and he has like the biggest goofy smile on his face. And then Action Andretti, I actually thought that this was smart, thinking ahead, like knowing um, the Jericho Appreciation Society, knowing that despite the fact that they're banned from ringside, that like one of them is probably going to stroll out anyways and try to do something stupid. I liked the fact that he just came out of nowhere and, and nipped that in the bud really quickly. Um, and then I also thought that it was kind of funny how they used that to sort of open up the opportunity for Jericho to cheat with his little souvenir bat. His little and, souvenir uh, bat. <laughs> I was like, why is this bat so small? But um, I thought it was funny also the way that we get he, those at the at the Louisville Slugger yeah, Museum. I, like, I feel like my, <laughs> my nephew has a little bat like that. <laughs> yeah. But um, I thought it was funny how he used the bat. He tries to target the the one piece of tape that is holding Ricky Stark's entire torso together, and then that doesn't work. And then Ricky gets the the clean victory that that he deserved so i thought that it was that it was well done um i liked the fact that they didn't have too much crazy interference because yeah sometimes aew can do that a, a lot sometimes they, they do a lot of run-in spots and i liked that they just kind of got that out of the way quickly and that that didn't play a huge role in the match so it it could really just be about making ricky look good our friend Alyssa Leggett says, nothing to add to this right now, but take my money. She has been adding to the Twitter experience an awful lot lately. Thank you, Alyssa. Jambeard says, it's nice to see Meet Normus's number one lady reviewing the show tonight and SRS. Normus! Are you on Meet Normus? If you are on Meet Normus, I see you. Knox Bogan <laughs> says, how could I forget the great Julie? She's on these great, she's great on these shows. Sean, I'll book you once you're back. I could use more Sean pep talk. I am back on Cameo now. I just uh, hadn't been doing them while I was you know, working on the studio and getting a lot done. Snap Grapple Pop says 530 here. Yawning emoji. Great pay-per-view. Oh, wow. Matches got better and better. Well, we appreciate you. And this is far from the only post-AEW coverage we're doing. Over on FightfulSelect.com, Alex and Kate are live for a post-show that's probably going to go longer than ours. So if you want more, just $5 a month. I counted it up. We've had almost 40 shows over the last month. So it's not just exclusive news, early uh, interview notes, all that good stuff. You got almost 40 shows over the last month. Best $5 in the business. We have producers for tonight's show, Rampage and Dynamite. We had uh, all kinds of great news this past weekend. Uh, a WWE wrestler that wants to box. MJF outright telling a WWE wrestler, can't wait to be there next year. <laughs> and people are like, what do you think about that? I think he's MJF. That's what I think. My God. But we had the final burial. Jack Perry defeated Christian Cage. 
So this was primarily a brawl is what this was. And it was a casket match that was sort of like a buried alive match. It was, it was, it was a little mixture of the two. And I like the, the difference. The funniest part of this is after a man gets slaughtered with a shovel and buried, everybody's like, yeah, <laughs> everybody in the crowd just gleefully. I love like, that thing in Tarzan boy. It was hilarious. Uh, we got Cody saying, is Christian done with AEW after that match? So literally anybody who loses a pay-per-view match sometimes, you'll get that. Are they done? Are they done? I don't think so. Um, I I don't know one way or the other, but I mean, he would have a lot of contract time eligible to be added anyway because of injury unless it was otherwise negotiated. That's a thing that you got to remember. Each wrestler can negotiate however they see fit, and maybe they get it, maybe they don't. But Jack Perry defeated Christian Cage. I think he needed a definitive, really big win here. Um, I thought Christian Cage might have needed it more if he's going to push towards a singles title this year. But I'm interested to see where they both go from here because I think this should be it for this feud too. This should the final burial. You can't come back after that. You you do something else after that. I agree with you. I also feel like this needs to be, because this is another story. I don't know how many months they've been working on this for, but this is another, another match that they didn't really officially announce until what felt like sort of the last minute. But I was kind of okay with it because with the, the amount of time that this story has been playing out, it's not like it was a surprise. Like we all knew that it was coming to this. I was also, um, I was interested in seeing how they did this match because like you said, it, it almost felt like a mix between a casket match and a buried alive match. I was looking online because I felt like we hadn't seen a match like this in a long time. And the only two casket matches that I could recall in AEW, they both were Darby Allen matches and they were both, had the casket set up right outside the ring. And so I wasn't 100% sure. I know they had mentioned on commentary during the match that you had to just close the casket in order to win. I think that like the dirt and shovel, I was kind of curious to see because he never went to actually bury him after the match. I, I guess that was just there as like some decor. It's kind of yeah. you know, spruce things up a little bit. But um, I did really overall like the way that they did this match. I think, again, like time-wise, I felt like it fit the bill well. I loved that Christian. I feel like his new thing is wearing turtlenecks all of the time. And so I love yeah. that he, he had the sleeveless turtleneck. I thought that that was a nice little touch. Um, and I also really liked the emotion, just the raw emotion coming from um jack perry at the end of the match i mean when he took when he was kind of taking his time to close the casket he had christian in there for like a solid minute and it was like he was just kind of sitting over there saying his goodbyes i was like you could easily win this thing right now right the second but you could tell he was really having a moment and then even when he did close the casket he was really having a a moment and so i i thought that that was a really nice personal touch to the match and also the the way that they've been incorporating his family at ringside and sort of adding that personal touch i i need those genetics that hair is oh unbelievable uh, it is unbelievable he's he, i feel like with those hair genetics he's gonna age really well 
Yeah, the whole family, though. And this match, this match was the third longest match on the show. It didn't feel like it. It felt like it no, flew by. It, it did felt, feel like it flew by. And I feel like, um, I feel like they did a really good job with the person, very personal spots. I, you know, I had mentioned the family at ringside. I feel like that's something that they've been doing very consistently throughout this feud and the consistent mentions of Jack Perry's father. I also kind of felt like at the end of the match, he was, it almost felt like he was having a moment for Christian for, for burying his former mentor. It almost felt like he was kind of having a special moment of like, I did this for you, dad, which was, which was really cool. Um, I also thought they had that moment um, early, earlier on in the match where Christian actually went and took um, Jungle Boy's belt off and started whipping yeah. him with his own. But I thought that that was um, a creative, a creative little spot. There was a something that went off inside my head. I was like, I was like, Jungle Boy, why would you wear a belt in this match? Why would you? But I like the way that they that they incorporated that and. Um, Overall, I felt like this was spot on for what it needed to be to end the feud definitively. King of the North says it's time to talk about how great Jungle Boy is on pay-per-view in these matches, the three-way tags, uh, the cage match, and this. Yeah, he delivers, man. Like, he, he's he got something in him for big matches, and he does it exceedingly well. I think that they've got something special with him. And they had something very special with the trio's title match. Jesus Howard Christ, that finish <laughs> was unbelievable, guys. Leave a thumbs up on this video if you haven't already. The House of Black defeat the Elite. And I had mentioned before this, I would absolutely play off of people going, what's up with Kenny? What's up with this contract? What, what about the Bucks? When are they leaving? Or could they leave? Play off of that. Why not? House of Black are great. They can absolutely carry a trios division. You're probably going to see this match again. But also, I feel as if the, the elite chasing would have been a lot better had the Undisputed Era still been around. But unfortunately, Bobby Fish got let go. Adam Cole had his concussion. Kyle O'Reilly uh, had his neck fusion. So now, eventually, you can do that at some point, I'm sure. But um, it, it it this one absolutely delivered, and they were laying it in. It was a lot of fun. The finish was unbelievable. That knee to from from Buddy Matthews, and then the finish, then House of Black winning, and this doesn't hurt the elite whatsoever. Like they are still every bit of what they were, but the House of Black, I feel like needed a big big win or else like how can you take them seriously i felt the same exact way i feel like especially after you know malachi had taken some time off earlier this past year and then they came back and they started revamping house of black with all of these new vignettes and they really started to build them up big again i mean i feel like a big win for them is long overdue in some regards, but I feel like especially after that, this sort of comeback streak that they've been on, I feel like they really, really needed the big win. I think that House of Black, for me, I thought they've been really cool since day one, um, but it did feel like towards the earlier part of their existence, they weren't really getting a lot of, a lot of big wins. They kind of went away for a while. And then now after their resurgence, I felt like, 
they really needed something to solidify their legitimacy in the trios division. Um, I thought that number one, I thought they all looked phenomenal tonight. I, again, I love what they did. I love when they do like matching gear and they really go full out with the look for tag teams and for trios. I thought that they all looked phenomenal. Um, I thought that they did some really cool spots throughout the match in terms of how they paced things. I feel like the Young Bucks are typically synonymous with working at a very fast pace and, and Kenny as well. I feel like sometimes their matches are like everything in the kitchen sink and so much stuff happens that it's hard to even keep track of everything that happened. But I felt like they paced this one really well where there were some parts of the match that I don't even want to say they were slow because it was almost sure. just like they were normal pace, but I guess for young bucks, um, you know, stereotypical match, it was a little bit slower, but then when things did pick up a, a little bit um, and they started really getting everybody in the ring, um, it, it kind of created some distinction there that isn't always in all of the young bucks matches. So I really appreciated that. Um, and I, I, again, I agree. I think that there's a lot, for the Young Bucks and for Kenny to potentially do outside of the trio championships in the future. I think that with all of the chatter that's been surrounding their contracts, um, obviously I don't, I don't know what their long-term plans are, but it's kind of fun to play into that possibility yeah. that, okay, well, they're not the champions anymore. So what are they going to do next? But Granted, they do stay in AEW. I think that there are a lot of options for, you know, Kenny as a single star or for the Young Bucks and the tag division. There's a lot of things that they could revisit. Whereas I feel like House of Black, if they didn't win this match, I don't really know what would have been next for them in terms of making them look good. Um, so I really, I really appreciated the way that they played this one out. Um, I loved Kenny's pay-per-view gear. I love the Young Bucks pay-per-view gear with their... Uh, their pants that were paying homage to their home state of California. Um, Julia Hart, she had an interesting little uh, interference she in did. the match where she got up on the ring apron there. I like, I do like that they incorporated her. There was kind of a second there when they were doing that where I was kind of like, where are they going this? And then they had the little spot where Kenny knocked her off the ring apron and he was just kind of like, I don't care. <laughs> Which I thought was kind of funny with his reaction to that, but um, we we have some important news from the post show scrum. MJF said that Denise's voice is grating. <laughs> Induct him into the Hall of Fame right now. Denise's voice is grating. He said, "Crown him. He <laughs> is who we thought he was." Listen, he said that he's going to have his re-bar mitzvah in a couple of weeks. I'm going to send him a gift. I got to send him a gift. I, I just appreciate him for that. Re I didn't know. I didn't know you could get bar mitzvah. More. I'm, I'm Jewish, by the way. I didn't know you could get bar mitzvah more than once. Well, I mean, he's the world champ. <laughs> I guess you can do whatever you want. So what is yeah. I know his his first bar mitzvah from the photos. It was, was WWE themed. So this one has to be this one has to be AEW. Probably, yeah. I'm. Oh, that's gonna be so fun! I can't wait to see that. <laughs> we'll have more notes from the scrum uh, as they're pertinent. But 
Anthony Velasquez says, seeing House of Black win the trio's titles made my birthday that much more awesome. They really deserve those. So excited for their title run. Happy birthday, Anthony. <laughs> Love that. Sarah says, only one that acts uh, or that's formerly WWE tonight, deliberate or coincidence. Um, I, I don't think it has like i think that anybody with aew they just view as with aew even people that have expressed frustration about even being there but the trios match this is what we knew the trios titles could be i am so happy to see that play out like that uh we have a super chat where someone says what an amazing pay-per-view top three all time david reed says ricky over jericho jack perry over christian hangman over mox mjf over danielson uh, AEW putting the spotlight on the future tonight. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's, that's important to do. That's a good point. Actually, I hadn't really thought about that, but they did. I think they overall did a really good job of building up new stars tonight, which I think is something that's so important. And sometimes it gets, sometimes it gets lost on us. Um, because obviously we, you know, there's the, the people, the talent that we know and love that we're so attached to, but it's really important to build new stars. And so I like that they have been very committed to doing that for us. And, um, this match just had so many cool, so many cool moments. I think that this is like the most that I feel that we've really gotten to see the house of black shine. I felt like Brody King had a really good showing in this match. He, he was great. He was great. I loved some of the little spots. There was the little spot that they did between Kenny and Malachi, where Malachi sat on the on the ring mat with him. I thought that that was really cool for the t like that could be a potential like singles feud at some point yeah. in the future that I would absolutely love to see. Buddy Murphy still has the upper the best upper body in all of professional wrestling. Um, there was just there was a lot of good stuff in this match and. Again, this was this was another one lengthwise for the for the length of this pay per view. I felt like they did a very good job of timing out a lot of these matches. Like there wasn't anything that I can think of that felt long or or overly drawn. Yeah. I feel like this hit the sweet spot. Speaking of uh, Jamie Hader defeated Soraya and Ruby Soho. It went ten minutes. It was a fast ten minutes too. Yeah, a very was. fast ten minutes. Uh, I love when somebody like Jamie Hayter just gets a win with a really good pin. Yes. I love it. I had some people say, man, that was too quick. Didn't buy it. Oh, buddy, did I buy it? I love a good pin winning against a good wrestler. I love it. I loved it when Bret Hart did it to Diesel at Survivor Series 95. I love it. A good, effective pin like this, that to me, it's just as important as winning with, with uh, a finisher in a lot of situations. This was, I think, Soraya's best performance in AEW so far. You see her just getting getting more and more underneath her. And what I felt like was really great was that Soraya and Ruby, they know how to work an independent style or a style outside of WWE because they both did plenty of it. But on television they had pretty much only done WWE before they hit AEW. So we saw this, this situation where Jamie Hayter and Ruby Soho were almost like the veterans of the style because they're, they're you know, Soraya's still getting acclimated. And I think she's delivering here, I, delivering in the ring. The, the peripheral stuff, like I'm not a fan of the spray paint. 
yeah. it ain't for me. It's just it's just not hitting. But the match itself, before we get into the post match, uh, what do you think of this? I know some people thought it was a little bit short, but uh, I think there's more story to be told here, which we're going to get into. I agree. It does feel like it flew by very quickly, but I liked the combination of women that they used in this match. I think that going into it, I was not 100% sure what their long-term plan was going to be in terms of where they wanted to go story-wise, but I think it was interesting that they turned Ruby because I feel like you and I have brought up a lot that we feel like the way that Ruby has been booked historically, she's kind of been like, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. And always, so yeah. I feel like I was excited to see that she was a part of this match. I was excited to see that she was being highlighted in a women's championship match, but I kind of wasn't sure where they were going beyond this. I figured that Jamie going into this, I figured Jamie was probably going to retain. And I know you had mentioned loving that she just had like a good solid pin. And I feel like Jamie being the powerhouse that she is, I feel like she's also someone that can, can sell that to you very well as being like very believable. So I liked all of that. Um, I do think that this was the best Soraya has looked in ring since her return to AEW. You can tell that like the more she gets in there and the more the ring rust sort of wears away, she's really like getting back to her old self again, which is awesome. I like the team of her and Tony Storm together. I think it's cool to have the two of them together and to have them as heels, but I do agree with you. The the spray paint thing, it feels a little too juvenile to me. Like it yeah. just feels like it feels like an easy heel thing to do. And I'd like to see them as a heel team kind of take their act to the next level without just doing like this surface level kind of stuff. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how Ruby plays into that now as well. So yeah, um, after after this match, uh, Ruby joins. She it she teased helping out the originals. Joey Bagadonet says Ruby might have wanted uh, to time her heel turn so she could win the title. Uh, maybe, but also, I mean, I don't know if that would have necessarily stopped anybody else going for it, but I, I want to see the explanation afterwards because she hit a kick on Jamie. She attacked Brit and she has joined the uh, AEW outsiders. And to me, she could have, I, I don't want to say she could have landed on either side, but it would have made sense if she didn't necessarily join them because Soraya spoke publicly. She had the opportunity to go back to WWE and she didn't do it. Uh, also, uh, Tony left WWE. She had the opportunity. She left there on, of her own volition. Ruby was fired from there. So, I mean, it was a little bit of a different approach there. Eloquence says the turn was great. Ruby hitting no future on Jamie, who had a great sell, reminded me of Balor's NXT turn on Johnny Gargano. That's a very good point. It was, it, there were a lot of parallels. And he sees hype to see her heel run. Uh, also, check out uh, Eloquence album, by the way. I encourage you guys to do that. Great supporter of the show. Great dude. Uh, the turn itself, how did you feel? I honestly, 
I I don't mind it. I'm I'm glad that they did it because I feel like Ruby is such an asset to AEW. And I feel like when she first debuted at All Out back in 2021, she had this huge pop. Everybody was so excited that she was carving out this new space for herself there. And then ever since then, I mean, she's been she's been utilized here and there. She's had some title opportunities, but I just don't feel like she's quite hit her potential in, in this company. And she has so much to offer just given the background that she has on the indies prior to her AEW or her WWE signing. And so I just feel like, again, it's what we said where she's like, always the bride to me, never the bride. I feel like she's, she's been featured here and there, but she hasn't really had the opportunity to shine. And so I'm hoping that by her turning heel, this will kind of turn over a new leaf for her and open up some new doors, some new opportunities for her to really hit her stride and be featured in a big way. So I'm all for it. It's not necessarily what I was anticipating would happen tonight. I don't really know that I had any strong feelings about like anything specific happening after this match. My only real instinct going into it was I figured that Jamie would retain because I do feel like at some point they need to kind of revive the Jamie Britt story that they had initially been teasing, um, that animosity developing between the two of them. But I think they'll get back to that for sure eventually. I think think they will too. But I'm glad that they found a way to sort of mix, mix things up a little bit and sort of turn over a new leaf for Ruby Soho. Yeah, I think Britt, well, you know, she'll have, she has a reality show coming up too. And I mean, it looks good. Like the show yeah. just looks good. Uh, Night Track says Trish did it best spray painting Christy Hemi. Yeah, she did do good. <laughs> Our friend Auntie Collins, love her. She says, love you both. Spray paint reminds me of Paige. It was done with a spray tan for the Bellas. Didn't like it then. Don't <laughs> like it now. I completely forgot about that. I had blocked out that terrible memory. <laughs> from my brain <laughs> shot kid says that ruby can say she's tired of having brit and jamie play spoiler every time she's about to reach the peak in aew i think that's a good idea i i, I mean i think there's there's a lot of ways they can explain it and uh you know what if you're tired of your isp playing spoiler when you want to watch all that great content nordvpn.com slash fightful has the answer nord NordVPN.com slash Fightful. What more can I say that I haven't already said? Well, I'm going to have to say a few things because this is an ad read for NordVPN.com slash Fightful. You know, the way that I get UFC pay-per-views for uh, one-sixth the price, the way that I'm able to unlock lots of content, the way that I'm able to keep myself browsing safely and securely when I'm on the road or when I'm at home on all my devices. This bad boy right here, this bad boy right here, all these bad boys around here that you can't even see are all protected with NordVPN.com slash Fightful. A 30-day money-back guarantee. You already get a great deal on it. The amount in savings that I had the first month beat the price that I paid for the subscription itself. And again, works on all your devices with one subscription. NordVPN.com slash Fightful. Check out their many great tiers and tons of other great features. NordVPN.com slash Fightful. Love them. Could have got this pay-per-view on there. That pay-per-view from UFC last night. 
Got it with a great deal. Thanks to NordVPN.com slash Fightful. Our friend Kevin Jones says, I feel like an old man, but these A to B pay-per-views are too long for a Sunday night. Took a personal day off work tomorrow so I could stay up late tonight. Oh, buddy, Kevin, you are getting old, my friend, if that's the case. It's 1 a.m. here. I I wish they'd do it on Saturday. The reason I've always been told they do it on Sundays uh, is outside of football season is because Tony Khan has a vested interest in the NFL, doesn't want to go head-to-head with the NFL. So, therefore, you know, he's running them on, on Sundays outside of that because they do better business, but Saturdays during the season. Anthony Pride. I, I, by the way, I am always a Saturday guy. I much prefer Saturday. I, I am too. I understand the logic. It makes it makes sense that they at least have a you know that sort of logic behind it. But I'm definitely more uh, more in favor of a Saturday pay per view. <laughs> I am also in favor of not doing holiday weekends like Labor Day and Memorial Day <sighs> because it's so expensive. For fans to travel to Vegas on Memorial Day weekend in general. Oh gosh, that's so true. <laughs> Anthony Pride says, just got home from Revolution. It's as good as Full Gear 22, which I saw in Newark. Anthony, I hope you had a good time. Sounds like you did, if you're saying that. So, I uh, hope you really enjoyed it. Great to hear from you. You got to watch a man get stabbed in the face with a fork. <laughs> Duke of Duke It Out Wrestling says, AEW had tons of pressure for this show. While there were controversies, like the death match and MJF with the kid, is a solid pay-per-view. Thank you guys for your work. Hey, this is this is an easy day's work. Uh, a bad day of wrestling beats a, a good day of uh, anything else to me. But Hangman Page quite literally hanged John Moxley. I know you'll go through a, a lot of the spots that you like, but man, this was brutal. It was vicious. And the way that this sort of started with Hangman being knocked out, I saw it in person. I was there when he got stretchered out in Cincinnati. And the way that Moxley treated him afterwards, the only way I can say it is Moxley treated him like he was a little bitch. So I feel like in order to emerge from this effectively, Hangman Page had to do something, not only that proved he wasn't a little bitch, but that made Moxley go, no more. I can't handle it. I can't handle it anymore. And he did. He got hanged and he tapped out. You never see John Moxley tap out. He is like, he's like Jesus Christ in, in AEW. Like he is the guy, but he's also absolutely bulletproof, Julie. And unfortunately for Hangman, when you saw this incredible arc that led to him winning the title, Despite it being one of the best stories long-term that I've ever seen, it felt like a lot of it was overshadowed by the fact that CM Punk is popping up, Brian Danielson's popping up, Adam Cole's popping up. So which one of them is next? Which one of them is next? And we all knew that one of them was going to be next, and it was. And a lot of that got like overshadowed his run, his title reign, and what he did. And now he's reclaiming that. I feel like these two are quite literally, despite the Bucks and Omega, and you could argue Cody at one point, I think that Mox and Hangman might be the heart and soul of AEW because they are so easy to root for. And this was, this made me feel a lot of ways. How'd you feel? Well, and the words of good old JR, this one was definitely a slobber knocker. And I... I felt good about this match in the sense that 
Number one, I think you pointed out the most important thing, which was the ending of the match. And this was special in the sense that Hangman Page literally hanged John Moxley nearly at the end of the match. Like, this was very close to being an attempted murder. Um, <laughs> and just John Moxley being the hardcore guy that he is getting him to the point where he has to tap out is like pretty spectacular um i also feel like they had a good balance in this match i think sometimes when they do these sort of death matches in aew you have to you have to find the right balance sometimes they have done some death matches that to some people have almost felt a little bit too violent. And then sometimes they've done things that almost feel a little bit too unrealistic or too comical with their in um, incorporation of, of the use of certain kinds of weapons. I feel like they kind of found a good middle ground here where it felt like a reasonable amount of violence to have in a death match, but it didn't feel corny to me in any way. Um, I also have noticed, I know maybe a couple weeks ago online, there were some articles trending about Bully Ray commenting on John Moxley saying he feels like he bleeds too much in AEW. He feels like because he's bleeding so much, it sort of takes away the the value of it. It sort of takes away like the um, the novelty of it. And I feel like ever since that commentary came out, John Moxley's just been like bleeding even more constantly. And so I kind of love that he's like leaning into the fact of of this is who I am. This is what I do. Take it or leave it. I'm going to bleed all over the place. Um, and I feel like he very much did that in this match. I think that there were a lot of creative spots where they had um, the two steel chairs that were set up back to back that had the barbed wire on them. And they were going off of the, the top rope, the top turnbuckle. There was a moment where all of us that were watching together, we were like, oh, my gosh, is he going to go right into the, the middle of these two steel chairs? And luckily for them, they kind of just more so clipped like one side of it. So it's not like they were going down the, the backs of the chairs, but they had a lot of creative moments like that. The other one that really stood out to me was um, the barbed wire little ramp that they did outside of the ring where it was leaned up against one of the steel chairs. And of course, I feel like it's customary where it's like, whoever sets it up, like, you know, that that's the person that's going to end up taking the bump. <laughs> so yeah. I thought that that was a really cool spot. And there was that moment one, that we got from. Sorry. One of my favorites was when moxley like gingerly sat down in the chair and i was like oh he can't take a, a move here he can't do that because he just like sat back it would have been lame but he baited hangman into getting up on the on the top rope to do a spot so he could throw him off through the table outside which looked nasty yeah they were a lot of a lot of creative spots like that um and I liked, I was I was going to mention there was that one moment when um, Mox's back went into, into the barbed wire. And it almost like took him a second to process what happened. 
And then you could see just like the terror as he realized that there was barbed wire going into his back, like the terror that just took over his face. But I think that the long-term, again, like the long-term storytelling that they did with this match, I feel like justified what it was. And especially like these past couple of weeks, they've done so many good vignettes between these two guys. They've done so many good little interviews. Some of the interviews that they've done with Hangman and Renee Paquette, especially because that even adds like an extra layer of like making it feel personal. So I think it was the right move, um, giving Hangman the victory, given, you know, the background that you had talked about. And it, it's also, it's a huge moment for him just considering who John Moxley is and what he stands for and the way that the match ended. That's, I mean, that is for John Moxley to tap out in a death match. That's like kind of a blow to his integrity, who he is as a person. So for Hangman, that's a huge win. The one thing, the one thing that I, this is like a, not really a complaint about the match. I didn't love the um, the change of music for Hangman. For me this. either. Maybe I like his music is a classic. I love it. That's the thing. I love his actual entrance music, and um, I understand. Like, I feel like sometimes they do little pull little switches like that. Like when they did um for the the elite the first time that they came out to carry on my wayward son. Like that was yeah. cool because that was kind of like a cool. A cool surprise but, you, but you could argue that that i think you could argue that, that might be on par with their old theme because yeah a lot of, everybody knows the opening lyrics and, and the song here but like this hangman's is so iconic at this point. i think so too that was the one thing i felt like the the music change felt a little lackluster for a wrestling show yeah but king king of the song. north King of the North says Mox versus Hangman was my version of the bloodline Sammy KO cinema. People talk about this was all timer stuff. There are some people, you know, that will absolutely adore this. I saw some people, as Jane Beard said, say the blood is too much. And he was joking. Uh, where did you fall on that briefly before we get into these other super chats? I, I'm okay with it. I don't like seeing people get sliced up, but I don't mind the blood. I, I mean, I don't. I didn't mind it just because, like, when I kind of mentioned that Bully Ray comment before about John Moxley bleeding to it, I almost feel like, to him, this is, like, this is who I am. This is what I do. And especially being that it's a Texas death match, I feel like it was fitting for him. And I feel like, especially since some of that commentary came out. Uh, Mikey Ruckus said that Ghost Riders in the Sky was a one-off. Yeah. I'm okay with that being a one-off. Um, I I feel like for for John Moxley, it was just like fitting for who he is. Do I like seeing people yeah. get sliced open in, in intricate detail like that? No, but for this match, I can I can let it go. Victor says, I fell to my knees when House of Black finally got the three and Mox choked out with the chain. Plus the first fork spot made me walk out of the room. Nasty, but I loved it. Mox tapping out whoo that was that was big for me yeah. z lifestyle says big question coming out of moxley hangman who collects more blood annually the red cross or the aw ring candy <laughs> i joke i joked earlier that like moxley would lose to peter avalon in about 14 seconds in a first blood match <laughs> now, look, 
Eloquent says, any particular reason Jim Ross is on a pitch count? Hard for me to believe it's not some of the performances that we saw and some of the stuff would have been undermined. I think he would have actually added a lot to the main event. Like, I think they should have had him out for the main event instead. But we got more of, uh, I don't want to say AEW originals, but definitely the, the present and future of AEW highlighted. Wardlow defeated Samoa Joe. You have Will Hobbs looking like a lifeguard on <laughs> duty with that big lifesaver up there. They, I, I wish that he was wrestling tonight, but I do think it's good that they had him win the ladder match Wednesday. They had him win a squash Friday. They had him do a backstage interview with RJ City, and they had him out in front of the crowd tonight. Um, so they did utilize Hobbs an awful lot, but Wardlow getting the win... I don't really mind this TNT title being hot potatoed. I think that uh, Wardlow is is great. He's, you know, he was sort of a victim of MJF's success, so to speak, because obviously the original plan wasn't for Wardlow to crush MJF and then MJF to be out there cutting a crazy promo a few weeks later or a few days later. But in storyline, there's no reason why Wardlow can't go out and say, hey, I destroyed this guy less than a year ago. Where's my title shot? But he's tied up in the TNT title picture, which has become the sirloin beef sons of bitches division, where they're just <laughs> slapping meat. You have Wardlow doing the F10 here, but doing swantons. He's really showing his versatility. And I think this is good. I don't know that Samoa Joe is now going to focus on ROH but it would make an awful lot of sense for him to focus more on ROH now that that's up and running. And uh, this is where I'll take the opportunity to plug our post ROH show every week. Uh, we're doing something very unique with that on Thursdays. Uh, we did our first this week with Kate and Reg. We're going to combine our ROH and impact shows. So from around nine until a little bit after 10, Kate and Reg, will be on the ROH post show. Then they will pass the torch on to Joel Pearl and Cresta for the Impact post show. I think this will give a lot of people that watch ROH or maybe that don't and want to keep up with it, the opportunity to uh, learn about Cresta and Joel as well because, let's be real, a lot of y'all aren't watching Impact either. But we have great coverage of it. You guys are really going to enjoy that. The audio will still be separate on our podcast feeds. So if you're a podcast subscriber uh, through the audio platforms, there you go. But we do have a weekly ROH post show uh, free on YouTube.com slash Fightful. But uh, Wardlow defeating Samoa Joe, Hobbs confronts Wardlow during the presser, I'm told. Big thanks to Luis for passing that info. How'd you feel about this match? I was again... I was okay with this match. I think um, this seemed to be one of the shorter ones on the card. And I was okay with that because like you, like you said, it was just kind of like two big guys slapping me. And I guess like, yeah. I feel like a lot of those matches, like they don't really need to be long. It's just kind of like, we keep slapping me until one of us can slap me no more. And so I was okay with <laughs> I was okay with Wardlow getting the win because I feel like maybe like I want to say maybe like eight months ago or 
or so, give or take. I feel like he was really hitting his stride. That was like when War Daddy, like 1-800-WAR-DADDY, all those t-shirts were coming out. It was becoming a really yeah. big thing. And I feel like recently he had commented, he said, I didn't even realize how popular I had gotten during that time. And I want to reach that level again. And so I think that this, putting the belt back on him, I think that this is a good way to start again, like putting the rocket under him sure. again and, and out, hopefully elevating him to that level again and maybe eventually going beyond that. Um, I thought that um, it was cool to have power, power, powerhouse Hobbs up in the audience where he was. Um, I, you know, I agree. I think that they've utilized him pretty well this, this past week, even though he wasn't on the show tonight in, in a wrestling capacity. I think that they utilized him well in other ways. I liked seeing his um, little backstage interview on the pre-show. And I feel like, again, they're doing a good job of building new stars between him and Wardlow. Um, I feel like they're setting them they're setting them up to work a good program together and build two new big good looking stars in the process. So I was okay with this match. Um, I know you had mentioned Samoa Joe potentially being utilized in in ROH in a greater capacity, which a marquee name on that show. Yeah, I think I think that that could be really good um, for the brand. I'm always uh, curious to see how many. black and insert other color here shorts that Samoa Joe owns. It's all, it's interesting to see what color combinations he comes out with each week. Um, so I, I don't really think, I don't think he needs the TNT championship either. I think it would benefit one of the younger guys more to, to work a program with it and really get them over. Cause we already know Samoa, we already sure. know Samoa Joe is a great promo. We already know, you know, what he's done in the past. It's great to have his name attached to things to sort of elevate it, but I don't think he really needs it for anything right now. Wardlow said at the presser that he wants to uh, bring back open challenges and wants to face people from other companies. That'd be very cool. That'd be cool. Ricky Stark started out his scrum by saying, what do you guys want to talk about? Which is uh, (laughs) great. And praises Jericho for working with him because he gave the, uh, gave him the iron sharpens iron feeling that he had with Sting. Well, the guns retained the tag team titles. I mean, since the guns won these titles, many have expected FTR to be next up. But, you know, Dax will be Dax. I'll say the same thing about Dax I say about MJF. Super worker. And I mean on his podcast, I mean on Twitter, I mean if I'm ta- trying to talk to him, you always got to wonder, is he working? Is he working? So, you know, when you got them out there saying our deals are up in this amount of time or that amount of time, you always got to wonder. But the match itself, it was a very sports entertainment match with Orange Cassidy, Dan Housen, Lethal and Jarrett and the acclaimed. I think Jeff Jarrett has been outstanding. I don't need to see him as much on AEW TV, but I think he's been very, very, very good. Uh, The acclaimed were fantastic here, but a lot of people discovered what exactly Danhausen could do in the ring. And I thought that this worked out well because we saw a different side of Danhausen, but also Danhausen picked up the, uh, took the pinfall 
because he is still treated a little unserious in that that regard. So I thought this was good the way that it played out. I think the guns are far better than anybody gives them credit for. Their body language is very good. They get heat, but I actually loved the reaction to them winning because it was a lot of people like, finally, finally, these guys aren't going to win. Oh, and it was just utter silence, Julie. It was amazing. When that happened, there was a moment where I was like, did they just cut off like yes. the, the mic from the audience or did, did everyone just like get the wind knocked out of them? I it's, couldn't tell. And, and they get heat because right after that, they go to the mic and they're getting heat. But the crowd hates them so much that it's just like, mm. and depending on who you'll talk to, it'll be like, well, we hate them because they're the guns or we just don't like watching them. Uh, but I love that reaction. Uh, Orange Cassidy broke out the pay-per-view yeah, denim. pay-per-view gear. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. He switched it up. But the match itself, before we talk about uh, what happened afterwards, how'd you feel about the match? It was it, it felt like a WWE-style match, and I think that's a good thing to have on a show like this. I thought this match was really fun. I did go in with the expectation that the gun club was – or the guns, as they're now called, we're probably going to retain because, you know, you hear the room things coming out of the rumor mill. Um, you know, you heard a little bit of FTR teasing the end of their deal. But the way that they've been building the story the past couple of months, I figured that FTR was going to be next in line. And in order to make that happen, the guns had to retain. But I thought that this was a really fun combination of teams. I have to agree with you. I think... Jeff Jarrett, for 55 years old, I said this on one of the last shows that we did, but he looks so phenomenal for 55 years old. He's so entertaining. Um, I loved, I will say the, the guns, their performance is, I think, far beyond the amount of experience that they have. And I'm sure that having Billy Gunn as your dad and having like, that sort of sure. mentorship probably helps that situation. But that that's something that I have to give them credit for, too. They're really good at getting heat, but also their in-ring performance, both in terms of wrestling and just in terms of their presentation, how they taunt the other teams and taunt the audience and the things that they do to bring heat on themselves. They're very, very good at it for the amount of experience that they actually have. Um, I will say Colton Gunn has a great drop kick. That was one thing that I he got to match the height on his drop kick. I was like, whoa, that I, I always love a good high drop kick. So that stood out to me. Um, there were a lot of really fun moments. There was the moment that um, the gun or the guns, I keep wanting to call them the gun club. Um, they love the low blow to daddy ass. I, uh, I thought that that was kind of an ironic moment. Um, the acclaimed had some really fun moments throughout this match. They're still super over, even though they don't have the, um, the, the championships anymore. I'm, I'm glad that that didn't seem to really hurt their momentum. Um, they're still super over with the crowd. I saw a giant pair of scissors in the crowd and I wonder how many supplies they had to buy from Michael's crafts in order to make that sign. <laughs> but um, I really, I like the combination of Orange Cassidy and, and Dan Housen together. I thought it was interesting when they did like the, 
the battle royal with all the tag teams earlier this week to determine who the fourth team was going to be. They had a they actually had a lot of really good options for teams that could have been in this match. I thought um, Orange Cassidy and Danhausen was a fun choice, just considering sort of like the comedic value that they add. But they really had a lot of teams that would have fit in here well. Overall, I just thought this was a really fun match. I thought that um, when the pace of the match kind of got to be faster and they sort of had more people, you know, coming in and out, I just felt like they used that opportunity really well to do a lot of fun spots between teams. As did I. Well, after this FTR come back, uh, people had kept asking me, like, what do you think? Do you think they're going to come back? I thought, yeah, I mean, I don't think they're going to sit out until their deals are done. Even if if even if their deals are done imminently in a few months, whenever uh, they were at that Lexington show that I was at and they were set to be there even before the, the Mark Briscoe thing. Dax immediately got busted open by the very first punch thrown at him. Uh, but Dax is very good at trolling people and getting people talking. He is very good at creating buzz, creating heat, sometimes legitimately. But I am so glad to see FTR back. It seems like a matter of time before they win the titles. Uh, They should have last year, but the FTR pop is very much a thing. And that gear, that new merch, absolutely humps. I thought the same thing as soon as I saw those shirts. I said, I I haven't actually, I have so many black wrestling t-shirts. I'm like, I don't need more black wrestling t-shirts. But I saw that one. I was like, that's so cool. I'm going to buy that right away. Oh, man, it's so good. I'm so glad to see them back. And, um, you know, I mean, it's 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 about time. It's about time. I'm very glad to see that. But you know what, guys? It's also about time that you take care of yourself with FitBod. You're always looking to better yourself, but there's nothing wrong with a little help. FitBod is helping you do that. Specifically, FitBod.me slash PPV. You've heard Will Washington talk about how it's helped him, but the FitBot app is changing the game, and we're bringing you 25% off a FitBot subscription. Whether you've been missing gym time, hit a plateau, FitBot will build a workout plan individualized to you. It switches up your exercises to avoid overtraining or burnout. It keeps your workouts fresh. That way you're not doing the same things over and over again. Your program also changes based on your personal progress for maximized results. Learn new movements the right way with over 1,400 HD demonstration videos. So if you don't know, they will teach you how. A full year of FitBod is less than the cost of a single session with a personal trainer. That's FitBod.me slash PPV. F-I-T-B-O-D dot M-E slash PPV for a great deal on the FitBod app. It is... Main event time, Julie. A reminder, guys, leave a thumbs up. If you're not subscribed, please do. We have incredible content. We are here every single weeknight with WWE Raw, NXT, AW Dynamite, ROH, Impact, AEW Rampage, and SmackDown reviews. We have great uh, almost daily shows once once the, the middle of the week hits, covering news from the list in your boy that I do. Uh, the spotlight day after dynamite with Will Washington and Grapsity. And plus, we were doing like we're dropping like three or four interviews a week these days, heading into WrestleMania. Thanks to NordVPN.com slash fightful 
for sponsoring all those. But get your super chats, get your humper chats in. Oh man, MJF versus Brian Danielson. Whew. This was this was amazing. A dream, dream match, dream a dream match that was in the making. Um, I thought this was just so cool to see number one because I feel like AEW has gotten a little bit of heat sometimes from bringing in ex WWE guys, but I don't. I don't see it that way. I feel like having guys come in like Brian Danielson, um, John Moxley, Chris Jericho, it's it gives us all these opportunities to have fresh new matchups that we've never seen before with amazing young stars like MJF. And for me, the idea of putting Brian Danielson and MJF in the ring together for 60 minutes was going to be a dream match. People keep forgetting how good MJF is. They always sleep on him. They always sleep on him. You have to put respect on this guy's name. He is one of the best performers in the world. He is so well-rounded, like in-ring, emotion, facial expressions, the promos, all that stuff. Like, he is so complete. And a lot of people were like, an hour-long Iron Man match? How are they going to keep the crowd? They didn't just, they didn't keep the crowd. They got the crowd even hotter. But at a minute, like 53, they're chanting, this is awesome. Just amazing. We're going to start early on. MJF <laughs> takes a powder, goes outside, and grabs a drink from a woman. <laughs> And throws it on her son. There were a lot of people that were saying, plant, plant, was not a plant. Eloquent saying, did MJF cross the line with the kid in the crowd? To some degree, sure. But I guarantee you right now, and I mean I guarantee you right now, that kid is fine with it, all things. <laughs> uh, Will Washington, our own Will Washington, grabs the Fightful. You know, went, talked to the kid, tried to make him feel a little bit better, got him an acclaimed foam finger, but Amanda Huber went and talked to him. They, I think they gave him some signed merchandise, but they also let him backstage uh, after the incident. He was, he was me, he met Phil or uh, Will Hobbs. Uh, he, He got to, you know, do a lot of cool stuff, which I understand people being upset, especially parents who are like, if that was my kid. Like Anthony Velasquez saying, amazing pay-per-view. Not one bad match. MJF is a piece of crap for throwing water on that kid. (laughs) Word from Will says that was disgusting. Can be taken several different ways. Wasn't just wrestling. I'm sure the mom was horrified. Um, So MJF at the scrum was eating pickles and said he tossed the drink (laughs) on the kid because the kid looked thirsty. I had heard that the kid was wearing Brian Danielson stuff. And that's like, you know, why? Um I don't think that there were any racial implications, especially considering MJF often speaking about his own battles based on, you know, being a Jewish man that, that would happen as a result of that. Like, I think it was just to get heel heat. And I think it worked exceptionally well. If the kid had been upset, it wasn't planned and everything I heard about it was true. Then I would understand, but it seems very much like this was made good 
And I'm pretty sure AEW will probably look at him and go, don't ever fucking do that again. Yeah, I, honestly, though, like, when I saw that, I didn't. I mean, obviously, I was kind of like, ooh. But I was also kind of like, MJF's probably done worse. <laughs> um, yeah. But I also, I feel like it happened so fast. Even if he was wearing, like, Brian Danielson gear, I was like, would anyone be, even be able to, like, register? I think he just kind of did it quickly. For, sure. For, I don't even know. The, if mom was, sold, like, the mom sold it big, too. Like, I thought she was mad. I thought she was mad, but... It's a good like, thing they made it good. Yeah, but. it's. Not, I feel like AEW always does a really good job in doing their due diligence to, you know, be good to people like that. And it sounds like everything was was fine. So I'm I'm not too I'm not too too worried if nobody's yelling about it. <laughs> uh, the the child's name was Titus. Uh, Tony Khan praised him for his behavior during the incident. MJF called Aww. the kid salt of the earth and saying that he was just worried about him uh, not getting a drink. Uh, so Alyssa Leggett, our good friend, says MJF versus Danielson humped, and she would know. She says, like the fact that the card didn't have 13 or so matches. Me too. Like, even if the card's going to be four hours, I like a good eight or nine matches in there. Like, I watch these NWA shows, and they got like 15 matches on them. And I'm like, all right, well, by the time the show is over, you know, a lot of that gets lost in the shuffle. Yeah. A lot of it... Um, uh, a lot of it just, you know, gets overlooked. So I, I completely agree, Alyssa. I like the the eight or nine matches. Also, uh, Tony got asked about the kid and said he had a serious conversation with MJF before the scrum, met with the kid. He will be at Dynamite this week as well. Aww, <laughs> <they're so laughs> MJF is uh, costing AEW some, some money here, regardless. <laughs> King of the North says it's MJF versus Dragon and Omega versus Osprey is my match of the year contenders right now. Best mm. Iron Match I've ever seen. Iron Man match I've ever seen. Incredible. Uh, I I agree. When I think Iron Man match right now, this comes to mind. It got exceptionally better as it went on. MJF's facial expressions told a very important story through this. This was what it was supposed to be. A roller coaster ride. MJF and Brian Danielson did something very cool. I loved the adjusted Iron Man rules where you could spam the pinfalls, where if you knock somebody out, one, two, three, get up, one, two, three, get up, one, two, three. I love that. You don't have to give them time to get to their feet or resetting. I, I And you know what? That's That's okay for pacing for some of these. These two guys, outside of powdering out, were not pacing a whole lot. It didn't feel like it. This felt like the fastest paced, 60-minute Iron Man match that I've ever seen, yes. Julie. And we're going to go through it a little bit at a time, but how do you feel about the pacing? I felt, I agree. There was a point where I looked at the clock and they had maybe like less than 20 minutes. At first I looked at the clock, they had like 45 minutes left. And I was like, oh, that was like a quick 15 minutes. And then I looked at the clock again at some other point and they had like 19 and a half minutes. I was like, that just flew by. It did, it really flew by. Um, it really felt like um, I was kind of questioning throughout the match. I was like, who is going to come out as the, the heel and baby face at the end of the match? Like, is it going to be the same as we went in? Because I feel like under Iron Man match circumstances, you, you kind of have to throw caution to the wind um, and, and kind of do whatever you can at a certain point 
in order to just stay alive in this match. Certain things that might seem a little bit heelish for Brian Danielson to do, he kind of had to just pull out all the stops in order to survive. Um, I did really like one thing that I we had caught here in my household when we were watching, the gear um, that Danielson and MJF, it seemed like it was reminiscent of WrestleMania 12, 1996, um, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. That was what, what we thought the reference was here. I don't know if that was something that other people um, were looking at or not. Because um, that Iron Man match had also gone into sudden death. Um, and, I, and I liked that they did that too. I liked how they teased the ending of doing a draw and then they had to have Tony come back down to the ring and say, oh no, we're doing, we're, we're going to go into sudden death and we're going to do this until we have a winner. Um, and there were just so, I mean, it was, there's so many creative things that I felt like they did throughout the course of the match. I like that MJF had his little stash of water under the ring because that's not something that we ever see very often, yes. but it's something that I think for this type of match, especially like logically makes sense. And, and they, they like, they sold it as like a heel thing. And I joked cause I had some people over and I remembered a Shawn Michaels survivor series thing when he was a heel, like, gosh, 30 years ago. And they had the guy from whoever was hosting family feud at the time commentating. I think it was maybe Lawler, somebody throwing him water and he's like, Oh no, he can't drink water. That makes him stronger. And I was like, Bro, he's thirsty. Yeah. I know wrestlers, I know wrestlers, big name wrestlers that hide inhalers under the ring legitimately to use uh because they've got asthma. But I, I love it. And also MJF did the 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 Shawn Michaels flex. Yes. Loved it. Yes. And I thought that that was also that was uh creative in how that tied into to the gear. And I even noticed like Brian Danielson's gear, like they weren't quite like hearts but it almost kind of looked like they were hearts like a Bret Hart reminiscent sort of gear um and I loved with the the water too I feel like you know in the event that somebody does kind of like hide a water under the ring I feel like if they were to go for it like that's not something that would normally be on camera I like that they played that up a lot and they, they made it a heelish thing for him to do there was actually a point um where he like threw one of the water bottles during the match and being that they're in California and that that is a crime in California, you're not supposed to litter. I was kind of wondering if he was going to get arrested uh, mid-match, <laughs> which luckily for him, that did not happen. And he was able to um, wrestle the last 19 and a half minutes. But um, they did they did a lot of really creative stuff just in the, the use of submission moves and the, the way that they countered one another. And they had so many moments of like, is he going to tap? Is he going to be able to make it to the rope? Um, there was a lot and, of and, and And there's a lot of psychology that goes into that, too. Like, maybe you keep the hold on for the whole five seconds and you get DQ'd. Well, then what happens? You got to reset that count again and maybe you hold it on for another five seconds and you break the guy's leg. Like, there's the psychology of Iron Man matches is can, can be so good. I would love to see like a fatal four-way Iron Man match in the future Ooh. as well, like to, to play that up. Eloquent mentions the powerbomb backbreaker from MJF does always pops me. It always looks so vicious. 
Uh, and Broadway Joe says, Angle Lesnar is still the GOAT Iron Man match, but this is the second best I've seen. The last 15 minutes in OT, incredible work. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the best I've ever seen, without a doubt. Agreed. Joey Bag of Donuts says, AEW needs some quick world title changes. We knew MJF had a 99% chance of winning tonight. Yeah, but here's the way that I, I put it. The teams that I hate the most are the ones that beat my favorite teams with like three seconds left, and there's nothing I can do about it. And I know my team was good enough. MJF's whole thing is he's going to have that title when his contract is up or when he claims it is, right? Well, he doesn't have to have the title the entire four quarters of that game. He can snatch it back on the last dynamite of the year. You never know. You never know. The last 10 minutes of this were special. Now, we, we, we've we seen stuff from MJF like him landing on his feet on an acai moonsault outside and selling his knee to perfection throughout this. He's drinking water. He's chugging water. He got his gallon in outside the ring tonight. There's this amazing flying elbow drop. It's just a beauty. It's amazing. There's a tombstone through the shards of the table. There's a count-out spot that I kind of think they should have went for. I think they should have had him get counted out once. But this was a damn near perfect match. And it went to the end. <laughs> and uh, King of the North says, MJF hit a quiet storm driver and I popped huge. Like, again, you guys, if you guys have, think you've even seen what MJF is capable of, it's not even scratched the surface. And I mean that legitimately. He is such a student of all this stuff. Uh, but it ends at 3-3. It's a draw. MJF is like, hell yeah. And it's Bobby right after right after the timer stops. That Bobby was, Strongbow jokes, they put oxygen on him. They should have put it over his eyes again. I was gonna say the same thing. I was impressed they put it on correctly this time. I have I have but, the picture of it on my phone. But the the crowd is not happy. The crowd's chanting bullshit. Tony Khan messages or or gets in the ear of Tony Schiavone, who gleefully goes down to the ring. <laughs> And it is announced that Tony Khan will not allow the match to end like this. It's sudden death. And what a sudden death it was. Holy cow. Sabanistic says, for my personal enjoyment, the end was a, a bit much and murky. Regardless, a fantastic match, great tensions, and a super fun pay-per-view overall. The sudden death. First off designed to babyface Tony Khan as King of the North said, because Tony Khan specifically was mentioned there as he will not allow this. I love it. That was smart. Yeah. That was funny. Way to put yourself over Tony. But also, you know, the crowd could have expected this finish too, but that's not the way that it worked. The overtime got even crazier. The flying knee to the face, MJF, trying mjf was gonna hit danielson with the belt and bryce rimsberg goes hey homeboy guess what you can hit him with the belt in fact i welcome you to hit him with the belt because you will get dq'd but that doesn't matter within the grand scope of this because you can't get dq'd to save your belt because that gives him the fall and what matters is the number of falls not the method of falls and again i love that 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 makes Bryce Rimsburg and your officiating look smart. And 
I think it is important when you're going to have the type of spot that you have later on where Bryce Remsburg does not see the oxygen tank, you need to have Bryce Remsburg look smart in this situation. And when he yanks the ring physically off of MJF's hand, I love that. If you're going to bury the ref, at least do a little bit of something else to help him keep his integrity. I thought that was very important to this match. Judith. I thought that was smart. And it also, it shows you, it was another good example of how the Iron Man match really tests the limits of both of the performers and what lengths are they willing to go through in order to secure the victory. And we know with MJF, he has been willing to bend the rules before. We've seen him use the ring numerous times in order. But so it was it was cool to see him little by little get stripped of all of the stereotypical things that you might expect him to cheat with. And then it was sort of like the oxygen tank was the the last resort, the oxygen tank under the ring. And the fact that he was able to hide that from Bryce Remsburg effectively. Um, I thought that that was really smart. I also wanted to just circle back really quickly to something else you had said, which was the fact that we have still not yet seen so much of what MJF is really capable of. Like you had mentioned the elbow drop spot. Even just the simple act of MJF going up to the top rope, that's something that we really never see. And he has even said himself in the past, like, I'm, I mean, I can do a lot of these flippy moves that you guys like to see. There's videos of him that exist doing a lot of these things in training at Create a Pro, but he, he's like, I'm not going to do it if it's not necessary for me to win. I'm not going to put myself in a vulnerable spot on the top rope if it's necess- if it's not necessary for me to win. So the fact that he pulled that out in this match, again, just shows like the level that these guys are pushing themselves to in order to just totally subordinate their opponent. Yeah. Uh, King of the North says Mox and Dragon tapping out is interesting. I I love it. I love it. Uh, also, uh, all all things serious. Uh, Tony Khan praised Denise for working Super Card of Honor last year. Love that as well. Love Denise getting her flowers. She works her ass off. Tony Khan also said that Honor Club has twelve thousand subscriptions already, which oh, that's wow. a really good number for what they're doing. Like that that is very very good. Um, Tony Khan was asked about Mercedes says she's a phenomenal wrestler. New Japan are fortunate to have, uh, her wrestling for them. He says they tried to feature as many people as they could while having long matches and said revolution was one of the most balanced shows they've done. I, I think it's, I think what they need to do, Julie is just condition the audience to think that this entire week is a pay-per-view week. If it's on dynamite, it's a big show. If it's on rampage, it's a big show. Um, I, I think that's yes. great. So, there were plenty of people that thought maybe CM Punk's going to pop up based on what I've heard. Doesn't seem to be happening anytime soon, but our friend Trey cash who has been just mega generous to us. I want to thank him again so much. He says, not going to lie. I was hoping after MJF one lights go out. You hear a voicemail from Tony Khan to punk <laughs> asking him to come back. Oh, that's good. Yes. And then that's punk good. comes out at the end, like MJF did to him at all out. It would have been a huge moment. It would have been a huge moment. I'm hopeful that maybe one day it 
is a huge moment. But I think that Punk would, first of all, Punk would have to make some amends. I don't care about who was right in in the the brawl out thing. I don't care about who was right with any of that other stuff. He would have to make amends for burying the foundation of the company at the scrum. He undermined the company, and there there is no correct about that. Uh, I know a lot of people think, oh, the Young Bucks leaked this, leaked that. Young Bucks have never talked to me outside of an interview. Kenny Omega has never talked to me outside of an interview. Uh, that's just not the, the way that that unfolded or happened. Uh, there was a lot of of weird th- like weird things where people were reporting things that were debunking things that weren't even reported this week as well. Nobody ever reported that Hangman was supposed to lose or win that match and Punk politicked it. So that was people picking fights with their own imagination. But uh, above the fight, above anything, because I wasn't in the room, I don't know what happened. I mean, I mean, I don't know whose fault it was ultimately. Unless they get together and they decide amongst one another. But what happened at the scrum undermined a lot of the foundation of AEW, saying a lot of people hadn't done anything or been anywhere. The company was founded on one of wrestling's most prominent journalists and historians ever saying, you know, I don't think that selling out a 10,000 seed arena is possible outside of WWE and then them doing it. Uh, so to say that they hadn't done anything when a lot of these people have been at the Tokyo Dome or, or been in the main events of, of WrestleManias and stuff like that, it's just there, there's got to be some amends made. And my hope truly is that CM Punk and all these people make those amends because I can't think of a more compelling year and a half of storytelling than what would happen if CM Punk came back and feuded with Hangman Page with Kenny Omega, with the Bucks, and even Colt friggin' Cabana. Like, get get them in the room and say, Colt, you're about to make the most money you've ever made in your entire life. Punk, let, let's all just suck it up, make money. To my knowledge, I don't think that anybody's, you know, unless anything, like, exceedingly racist or bigoted or anything happens, I think somebody's probably willing be it's okay to work with them as long as they haven't done anything like aberrant. These were disagreements over wrestling and, and information and misinformation. I, I, I just think of the money and the art associated with this Julie. And I'm like, God, I wish these fantastic performers could just get together and make this money and make this art. I agree. And there was a part of me too, that was also wondering, just seeing some, rumors circulating online recently about different people's contracts and who might be leaving and who might be coming back. There was a part of me that was wondering, is there a possibility that CM Punk is going to be back soon? And I, you know, you had mentioned some potential feuds that he could have that would just be phenomenal if they were able to make amends and have him come back in some capacity. And after tonight's match, I mean, I still feel like From a a creative standpoint, I feel like he and MJF still have unfinished business. When MJF returned at All Out, that's where I thought that they were going to go with this AEW World Championship story. And then obviously Brawl Out happened, and then that was just not in the cards, and they pivoted and they went in a different direction. But... I There was a part of me that after this Iron Man match, I was hoping CM Punk would return 
muffins in tow, the muffins that he put over that night um, at the, the media scrum and that they would they would start something new and kind of have him pull pull an MJF on on him the way that that things had had happened at all out. So I, you know, never say never. Um, I totally agree with you. I think that um, seeing that the disagreements were all over you know, information and misinformation in the world of wrestling and and seemingly nothing beyond that. I, from the standpoint of someone that just loves pro wrestling and loves building stories based off of things that do happen in real life. I mean, I think you have so much. You want to talk about, you want to talk about heel heat? What if, you know, you've got, (laughs) say you had the Young Bucks and Colt Cabana cornering CM Punk in the ring, and then Colt Cabana turned around and attacked the Young Bucks. Ooh, ooh. ooh. I mean, there's so much. There's just so much that you know. If these guys were all able to put the past behind them and and get on the same page, there's so much that you could do. But yeah, I, I think that you know the end of the show tonight. One thing that I I loved about how they sort of condensed the number of matches was we had the 60 minute Iron Man match and they started it early enough in the evening where I feel like they've left a lot of room for opportunity. They left time for those 60 minutes to play out, but then they also left room for opportunity at the end of the show when they went into this sudden death to really let things play out fully without people feeling like, oh my gosh, like this show's gone on for so long. Like, I feel like they ended things at at somewhat of a reasonable time, but they didn't have so many matches on the card where it felt like they didn't have time for things. I feel like they did a good job this time of leaving the time so that they obviously had enough time for the Ironman match, but then they had time to play with afterwards to really let the story play out. And I think that they ended in a, in a good spot for now. Carl Marx says, no EMJF. He's going to have a WWE themed second bar mitzvah. He's not a true (laughs) proletarian SMH. Bobby Strongbow says, Bobby Strongbow says the build wasn't the best, but this pay-per-view delivered what's next for MJF. I'm thinking hangman page. I would love him and Hangman Page. I think there's a lot of personal points that MJF could could attack. He can even say, you know, you drove my biggest payday out of the company. You ran him off. Uh, I would love like an MJF to revile Hangman Page, not for his personal traits, but for what he did to MJF's wallet even. And Chaos says, where does Brian go now? Every big match he's had, he's lost. I would love to see something with the BCC because we got chaos saying whose house of blacks first feud after the elite. Well, guess who lost this uh, on this night? John Moxley lost Brian Danielson lost. You've got Wheeler. Yuta still hanging around there and Claudio let's re let's get BCC like on all cylinders. Let's get them involved with the trios division. Let's get Moxley and, and, Danielson involved with some tag team stuff as well. Like that's the thing. The thing I loved about the tag team division was it didn't used to be like a step back to compete for the tag team titles because that were those were the titles that Hangman and Kenny Omega had and FTR had and all that. That's what I and the Young Bucks had. That's what I want to see again. 
Got yeah. And, and Go I, ahead, sorry. And, oh, that's okay. Another interesting point, something that we were kind of talking about here as we were watching the pay-per-view um, we were talking about the possibility of is Brian Danielson going to turn because it seems like a lot of the members of the Blackpool Combat Club, it seems like some of them have been doing a lot of heelish stuff recently where I was wondering if they were going to use tonight as an opportunity to even start to turn Danielson. Um, Cause he's also, he's another one of those people. I feel like he's an amazing baby face, but then he he's an amazing heel. He cuts amazing heel promos too. He's yeah. one of those people that plays both sides of the coin very well. And so um, just seeing like, for example, how um, Claudio and Wheeler Yuta sort of have been behaving like this past week and um, you know, seeing the lengths that John Moxley and Ryan Danielson went to in terms of like the amount of violence that they had to employ in their matches. I'd, I'd like to see some sort of a heel turn from their group and then kind of see what they do collectively. Me too. And that's another thing that I am loving about um, AEW right now. I know we talked a lot about the tag team division and the trios division really feeling like there's a lot of depth and they have a lot of options in terms of how they can use people. And something that I really like about Blackpool Combat Club and, and the elite and some of these other groups is they're very strong as a team, but then you can also break them up and have them do individual, break them off and have them do individual things without doing like the stereotypical, like we're going to, turn everybody in the group against each other and have them break up as a team that way. I like that you have a good um, good way of being able to use people interchangeably for different things without doing the stereotypical, like, you know, what they do with a lot of tag teams when they want to break them off into single stars. And it's like, oh, well, we have to now make you guys feud with one another in order to yes, break them. Absolutely break you guys off so i like that they have a lot of flexibility in that way with how they use people big man griff says anybody who wants to know how good mjf is go back and watch him and mlw is a middleweight champion absolutely yeah. mm -hmm. uh, the, the scrum has now ended uh tony khan admitted he did have some communication with ftr in recent times said it meant a lot for them to be back um yeah, and uh, the, the ROH talk was very interesting. I love that he was giving out numbers for uh, for ROH on there. I mean, 12,000 subscribers. I mean, that at $10 a pop, you can do the math there. And that that helps really go at some of the, the costs of that as well. But, um, man, guys... Uh, Thank you all so much. These AEW post shows for pay-per-views have uh, have been a staple for us. They've always uh, gone a little bit longer, but we've got post shows every single night here on Fightful. We've got tons of shows. Please subscribe, especially if you like live content. we got a ton of that, but we are on podcast platforms everywhere, not just uh, uh, live here on YouTube.com slash Fightful. But uh, on podcast platforms everywhere, you can support us by going to FightfulSelect.com. We break more exclusive news and news that would otherwise not be uncovered than any other wrestling uh, outlet, period. You get an additional 30, 40 shows a month over there as well. Just $5. We always wanted to make it the most affordable 
wrestling news service in that scope. Uh, I mean, I would say over half of the exclusive wrestling news that, that comes out these days comes from FightfulSelect.com. You get early interview notes, all kinds of stuff as well. Ah, Julie, tell the people where they can find you on social media. So I am not on Twitter at the moment, but I am very active on Instagram. So if you guys want to follow me on there, I do share a number of wrestling things amongst other aspects of my life on there. It is at the crown jewels crown is with an E at the end. It's the old English spelling. We are very formal around here. That's just mm. how we roll. Sean, thank you so much for having me again. I have grown to love this fightful community so much. There's so many names that pop up during the, the chat now that I recognize and I feel like you guys are my friends. So it's so cool just mm. to like have that sense of community. I appreciate it so much. Well, we love having you here. Uh, always great. Uh, before we go, I want to encourage you guys. I have a pinned tweet over on my Twitter at Sean Ross Uh former impact wrestler. You've, you've seen him in NWA and GCW, Larry D. Uh, he and his wife Paige lost their home in a fire last night. It would mean a lot to me personally if you guys would go uh, make at least a little donation, even if it's a dollar or two. Uh, they are effectively starting from scratch. Uh, Larry, up until a couple of years ago, before the pandemic, was wrestling 300 dates a year while working a full-time factory job as well. Uh, so it would, it would mean an awful lot to me. Because the things that he did and has done for Kentucky wrestling, when it was not and is not easy for to do for to, for anybody to do that with a commission, uh, he kept the pulse beating in Kentucky for an awful lot of people. So uh, please, it would mean an awful lot to me if you guys would would consider donating. Uh, and he's a great guy. Every locker room needs a person like Larry D in it. So uh, please do that if you all don't mind. But if you haven't subscribed, I'm going to be doing all kinds of promotions to get those subscribers up. I really would love to hit 100,000 subscribers this year. And we have we, the algorithm isn't being kind to us. I'll just I'll just be honest with you. The algorithm isn't being nice to us, but you guys can subscribe, leave a thumbs up. It helps people find us. Until next time, guys. We're out.